Well, story time. It is so good to see most of you today. Can't come start the message with a lie, no. So good to see all of you today. And um, I'm excited to just see what the Lord is doing in this new season at HFF of DFW. Um, maybe we should just say HFF when we're here. That is such a mouthful. We're HFF. We, you know you're in DFW. And we are so excited. They don't say HFF OKC every time. We're claiming it. There. It's online. I spoke it. But here at HFF, to see God using your talents, to see people come and to see Torah study and, and to see worship and, and to hear the reading of the scripture and have time of prayer. And that is what a church is supposed to be. And so I'm super excited that uh, my family is not needed. We're wanted. We're loved. And, and this isn't a woe is me. I mean, I'm good. Now, if you want to prove your love to me, I, I wear a size 20-pound brisket, um, and that would solidify my feelings. But I'm, I love, it's like, it's like coming back home, you know, as executive pastor from the distance and, and helping is great. But, but seeing what God is doing is exciting to me. Look forward to, to see what all the year has to come. Looking forward to coming and doing Passover with you guys. Looking forward to the menu at Passover. Whoo! We will not let Mama Gillis or I explain that to you. We will have Morgan or Paula explain that so that we don't get run out of church when we say the wrong word in the house of the Lord. But kebabs, that's what we just need. We're having kebabs. That's what we're going to say. But um, we are just excited about what God's going to do. Well, today I want to tell you a little story. Uh, many of you know I'm the executive director of Messiah, Texas. We run camps, and most of you who have kids have been there. A lot of you have been there yourself. If you haven't, what are you waiting for? But we um, got a new trailer because we don't own a camp. If you own a 20-plus acre piece of property and you'd like to donate it, please talk to me after the service. But we don't own a camp. We rent camps for both the code and for um, our camps, and we use the Camp Copus in Denton. Well, Garrett Moore takes care of our trailers for us. That's something he does. They have extra property and equipment. And his wife ordered some track. You know the track you put on the wall so that you can hook like bungee straps and hold your stuff to the wall? He ordered some track. And he texts me. He goes, hey, my wife made a boo-boo when she ordered it on the Messiah Texas account. She forgot to put our address. The trailer track is coming to you. When Sean comes to youth group Tuesday, will you just bring it out to me? Sure. So they bring and drop their son off at youth group. I grab the trailer track. I put it in his truck. We're assuming that's what this box is. I don't know how many of you use Marco Polo. Marco Polo is a great little video chat thing. I love it because I prefer seeing your face, even if it's over a screen versus text. My wife thinks text is from the Lord. I actually do this weird thing. <laughs> I call on the phone. I mean, some of you are unaware that it does that, but you can actually push a button and speak to someone. But I, I like to con love to talk to people. But he Marco Polo's me, and he says, this isn't trailer track. Look. 
He flips the, flips the camera, and there is a Christmas tree <laughs> sitting in the back of the trailer. Well, it was one of those big heavy ones because it, it was about 50 pounds. It had a bright red heavy sticker on it, as trailer track is because they're steel strips. I thought it was short, though, because it was only a six-foot box, and I thought he'd ordered eight-foot strip. But what's funny was the day the tree got to my house, his wife had received a message, your order has shipped, or your order has arrived. The next day, she goes, I just got an email. We are so sorry. Your order had not arrived. That was the scheduled arrival. There was an issue. It'll be there tomorrow. And she was like, then what is this? Because we thought Amazon messed up and just sent us the wrong stuff. It's December. Makes sense. They probably got a thousand trees going out. That wasn't the case. So I go to him. He brings me this tree back and I give him these tracks. And I'm like, what? And I thought, you know, somebody was just funny. They know that we don't do Christmas. So somebody either it was one of two things. We thought somebody was funny. And they're like, you know, it would be a great joke. We're going to order Brian a treat. But I was like, this is not joke funny. Like Charlie Brown joke, you know, the Charlie Brown tree is joke funny. This was like a hundred dollar or more tree. I'm like, if this person has a joke, they should, you know, tell me jokes over dinner if they're going to drop a hundred dollars. I was like, or somebody at Brook Hill, because we do work at a Christian school and somebody at Brook Hill was like, oh man, the Serenos don't have a tree. Maybe they can't afford them. Let's bless them with a nice tree. And I was like, great. What do I do? Because I don't want to be like, come in my backyard. We got this cool fire going up, you know? don't want to do that. I mean, we're not going to put it up. And so I'm like, what do we do? And I was like, you know what? And I go out there and the corner of the label is peeled. And then I read in the fine print where it says my name forward to. And I was like, no. And I pull back the label and there's my old address on Coyote Canyon Trail with a name that's not mine. Kim calls our old landlord they never got their tree. So for some reason, the name on that is not, there's only six names that ever lived in my house. Two businesses, they got business to my house. So it either said HFF, Messiah, Texas, or it said Brian, Kim, Olivia, Oakley, Cameron, or Nathan. That's not the name. But for some reason, the mailman saw that name and was like, that must be a Serrano too. Let's forward it to them. And she called and they laughed. They so we have to take their tree back as soon as we leave here today. So if we leave in a hurry, please know we want to fellowship with you. But we are just trusting that you're coming to fellowship with us at the bronze house. And so we're going to meet you there for fellowship. So we're going to duck out because we told them we would bring them their tree. So for those of you watching on Internet land, if you want a funny story, this messianic pastor will be delivering a Christmas tree today. <laughs> there you go. So I'll be delivering this tree and then um, dropping it off, heading to the bronze. And kind of instead of a direct shot, we do an L to our old house and then up 35. So, oh, how I have missed 35 West, said no one ever. But I was excited to avoid it, but we're not going to. And since we're at our old house, we might just take the 11 minutes extra, the H-E-B, to get coffee before we come up. Because I don't know if you know this, in East Texas, there are no H-E-Bs. The Brookshire's which it looks like Brookshire's. It should be Brookshire's. You will be corrected, corrected vehemently. It's Brookshire's. Their corporate headquarters are in Tyler. They have no H-E-B. Pray for me. I'm going to be running for city council just to, I'm just kidding, to get an H-E-B. So we're going to run and get a couple of things H-E-B and then come, and I might have to enter the soup contest and see if I can do better than I did with the latkes. But anyway, I'm still better.
<laughs> my soup might be bitter. There might be harm found in the pot. But so today, as I was talking, I, I was praying about what do I share? I'm coming in. There's lots of things going on. And I just look at the world around us. And this tree is just a microcosm of how chaotic everything is. Because there's complications. There are joys with the ability to get anything we want at the push of a button. But as you see, there can also be complications because that's a lot of moving parts moving at the same time. When our life, we have a lot of moving parts moving at the same time. And sometimes it just seems like a lot. Sometimes we get lost in the shuffle. The God of heaven and earth, Yodhavavhe, has asked us to do these things, to walk in accordance with his word, to, to go down his path. And we try. I want to live for him. You want to live for him? Yes. All right. Three of you. Great. Glad we're together. The rest of you, maybe by the end of the day, you want to live for him. But I want to live for him. Do I always do everything pleasing unto him? No. More of you agreed that I'm not pleasing to him than that you want to live for him. Thank you. Duly noted. Maybe that whole feel like coming home thing was a little preemptive. But in, in looking at my life, I'm like, why do I so struggle with these things? And we could go to that verse in Romans with Paul, you know, is it, or is it in Corinthians. You know the verse where Paul does the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I don't want to do, that's what I do. And there's just a lot of doo-doo in that. And that's where we end up. I'm counseling a family right now, and this wife is, is so angry, and rightfully so. Her husband has had a pornography problem for years. It keeps coming up, keeps coming up. This time, he normally gets convicted and confesses. This time, he was caught. And she is done, and she's talking to me, and she goes, he doesn't love me, period. And I was like, well, that's not necessarily true. She was like, if he loved me, he would never do this again. And I said, I know I'm here to comfort you right now, but my personality being what it is, I choose truth over comfort. I said, you don't want to use that weight and measure. Why? Because if you loved God, you wouldn't sin then by your own judgment. I said, please, this is not an excuse what he's doing, vile, perverse. You have every right to be angry, every right to want to punch him in the eye. Maybe you should punch him in the eye. That's the kind of advice I give. But you cannot judge his heart. His actions are just doing a very bad job of conveying what his heart is. And sometimes I say things in the moment, and then God goes, yeah, that wasn't you, that was me. Look at yourself. And I think sometimes when we're living right, we're guilty of the opposite. This gentleman's heart is for his wife. I've talked to him now way more hours than I can count. His heart is for his wife. But his actions were so wrong. But how many of us on the other side, our actions are so for the Lord, but our heart's not there. He desires obedience more than sacrifice. But I think sometimes we look at that wrong and say, well, as long as I obey. No, no, no. Then you're just sacrificing your thing. God, I'm doing this for you. He wants the obedience of the heart. So we read this psalm today, and that's where we're going to camp out. 
It's Psalm 14. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Psalm 14. Short Psalm, seven verses. Don't get your hopes up. I can do a lot with seven verses. <laughs> this is the dangerous fellowship. See, this is the one that I know there's a fellowship coming, but it's off-site. So it's not quite as pressing on my nostrils. I'm here to tell you, when Morgan and Paul are out there and everything is just stirring up, I can tell when they get tired of the message. They just put a fan, I think, and they start blowing in smells. And then I'm like, and the Lord said, he loves you, amen. But I think of King David as we're getting here. His heart was right. We know it's, it's written in the Bible. He was a man after God's own heart. But boy, did he have some messed up actions. Boy, did he have some messed up actions. So let's look. Psalm 14 says this. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that does good. Hmm, Anybody know where else you can find something like that? Check out Romans chapter 3. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. So here we see that God looks down. Verse 2, God is looking to see. Surely there's some. There has got to be some that their head and their heart match and they're after me. There has to be some. And verse 3 gives us this awesome encouragement. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that does good. No, not one. Another direct parallel that you can read that again in Romans chapter 3. God was looking, and this is one of those chapters that you're going to see was true then and is true now. By the way, please be careful. I think sometimes we pigeonhole prophecy or any scripture, and I'm glad we're doing this one because it's a safe one. Because sometimes we pigeonhole scripture to say, this is when it was fulfilled, done. No. Prophecy and onions and ogres all have layers. There have been some of these historical prophecies that have been fulfilled many times and could still be fulfilled. The beast in Daniel, I have heard so many representations of the beasts of Daniel and how they're done, how they're half done, how they're on their way to be done, how they've been done multiple times. And I have deep theological insight that I really don't care because I've read the rest of Daniel. I am waiting for the end of it all. Those beasts are just precursors to what the rest of Daniel's talking about. We can argue over so many things. And, and I know there's different opinions. Some of you are convinced and some of you are convicted. And that is great. But I learned a long time ago, I don't take a stand on things I don't know. But as I look at this, I see that sometimes we check off something in Scripture and it could match and be perfect. But then we forget that sometimes God is very cyclical and he's going to use it again. And I believe that Psalm 14 for us today was true back then and it's true today. They were longing. God is looking to see Israel come back home. God is longing today and looking to see us, his Israel, to come back home.
to walk the ways we have been called to walk. Verse 4 says, Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? Who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord. You ever felt like you've been eaten up by people? Anybody in here? Am I the only one who's been eaten up by people? Oh, Lord. God is good. Persons are good. People, you can have them. I have no desire for people anymore. But you're a people person. No, I'm a person person. There are persons that I love. Now, I do love people. I love crowds and energy and all that. But people as a whole, guys, if you're still holding out that humanity is good, I'd like to see the translation of your Bible because it's lying to you. Humanity is not good. Humanity is depraved. Humanity is sin-filled. Humanity is in need of a Savior. Born-again people can walk in righteousness that's not our own. Because our own righteousness, Scripture says, what? Filthy rags. And I'll let you go home and do a research on what those filthy rags specifically were. But that's what our righteousness on our own is. That's what our righteousness on our own is. It's filthy. But his righteousness, when we walk in that, it's good. And I believe the Lord is still calling down, looking at us, saying, do good. Not checkmark good. And I think we're really good at being checkmark good. Don't eat pork. Check. I won't eat pork. You know what? I will scrutinize every candy with gelatin in it. And if it says gelatin and it's ambiguous and it doesn't specifically say beef gelatin or fish gelatin, I won't eat it. Okay. I mean, we do that at our family to be safe, but like it's not a salvation marker in our house. We've got this um, these gummy bears that were sent to us from Germany. We're kind of in a quandary because there's two packs and none of us read German. So I've got to translate ingredients on the back. However, we had some Smurf gummies. My wife and children have not noticed that about a month ago those Smurf gummies went missing. Why? Because I saw this little word in the corner of that package. I translated that one word. You know what that word was? German for vegan. That was all I needed to know that even if there is gelatin in this, it did not come from an animal. Those Smurfs are no longer with us. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole, yeah, now, yeah, some of you Smurfs and Gargamel and Azra, yeah, I know. Golly, I've heard so many. Trust me. Just don't watch cartoons because somebody's going to tell you something. And I, but I, I learned what I needed to do. And, and if we scrutinize that for our health and to be obedient, that's great. But if it's so we can just say, check God, I don't do that. Meet on Shabbat. Got it. I'm going to go. I'm going to read my Bible with people. I'm going to study. We're going to worship. We're going to have a good day. Check. Don't gossip. Got it. I'm not going to talk mess about anybody, even though so-and-so is a sorry blankety-blankety-blank. I won't tell anybody that. Check. Well, you're getting shocked by this one. But if it's checkmark belief, we're not doing anything for the Father. 
That's not what he's asking for here. We're going to be devoured because our heart's not after him. We're not walking in righteousness. We're going to be easy to be devoured. And folks, they are out there to devour you. Okay, I follow a couple of Jewish people on TikTok. I follow this Jewish lady. She's an Orthodox Jew. She brings up so many good points. She brings up, here's my guilty pleasure. She, once a week, puts kosher recipes on there. Now, my family doesn't strictly eat kosher, but if it eats kosher, we can eat it. And so, following her, well, she posted her swimsuits for the cruise. And she goes, well, these aren't modest, but, and then she posted them. They are modest, but they're not like Orthodox modest. And I just said, hey, as a dad of daughters, thank you that even though you're saying these aren't modest, you're putting out some very good um, options for our girls where they don't have to have it all out there. Oh, my Lord. My comments have been just my inbox. Well, you know, your daughter should have bodily autonomy, even if she wants to hang it all out there. Well, you know, maybe you should focus on teaching your sons not to be perverts. Maybe you should. And I was like, and I went to comment back and God was like, no, no, you're not going to help anything right now. Because <sighs> I'm good. And, and what's funny is I, my kids wear what they want. I will question them. I'll be like, mm, why are you wearing that? The biggest argument in my house over the way any of the females in my life dress have nothing to do with modesty. It has to do with stewardship. Why are you going to waste good money buying clothing that already has holes in it? Can I get an amen? amen. Oh, I'm a body that comes with jeans. Then pay me money. I got a whole closet full of merchandise that you would be interested in. I got some underwear you might love too. I know my wife does. I finally had to buy her some. And she was like, thank you. And I was like, no, 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 no. These are not a gift. These are replacement. Okay. I thought we had moths in the house. <laughs> but we, we argue over that because I'm like, why do you buy ripped jeans? The other day I was in chapel at our school. And the principal said they, they had done something to earn a free dress day. We go to a very conservative Christian school. And one of the little girls raises her hand and she goes, yes, and they're having to give rules because now with the girls, you know, the thing is the yoga pants and the tights. So she's like, if you wear that, your shirt has to be long enough, blah, blah, blah. And then the guys, you don't need your muscle shirts that scoop on the sides. And so they're trying to give freedom, but still, and then this little girl shakes her shaky hand. Yes, Miss Roselle, can we wear ripped jeans? And she goes, it's free dress. So yes, oh my gosh, those junior high kids lost their mind over the ability to wear ripped jeans. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Put holes in your jeans because you're playing. Don't buy them with holes. Anyway, that's a side tangent that's free. But as I'm arguing about this modesty thing with stuff, I realize we live in a world that is going to attack any standard we try to hold. I wasn't, my daughter, both of them own two pieces. I don't care. They're modest. I, I'm not one who says this in and of itself is good or bad. I don't care. I'm one who believes that when you're swimming, I know we're swimming. I'm far more concerned about what you're wearing to the mall than what you're wearing to the pool. Why? Because we're swimming. We all know we're swimming. But I was just attacked 
over something silly. Now, I don't care. I wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I was attacked. I'm fine. But then I see brothers and sisters in the church. And we attack each other over some of the same stuff. But this says that the workers of iniquity are eating up my people like they eat bread. We don't need to do that to each other. Sometimes we won't agree. I promise you, all of us in this room do not agree on everything. And I promise you, no two of us agree on everything. My wife and I, theologically, we're probably 97% aligned. But there's about 3% that she's not right on yet. (laughs) No, there's about 3% that's still ambiguous. It's not a book, chapter, verse issue. It's a conviction issue. And we're in different places. You know, we are both convicted that a man should only have one wife. I'm an elder of a congregation especially, so the loophole is even taken care of. She is not convicted that a woman should only have one husband yet. I'm trying to get her convicted there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> she was like, no, it's not a time to say amen, Kim. But, you know, but it's okay. It's not about being aligned perfectly. It's about being aligned in what matters and walking forward despite our differences. So we're not eating ourselves up because the world's going to do that for us. I tell everybody I have the big three. Here's what I need in order for us to fellowship. That the only God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. That the only way to get to that God is through his son, Yeshua the Messiah. And that the way he teaches us to live is through the word of God. And this is our guidebook for life. If you tell me there's one God, Jesus is the way to him, and we follow the book to do that, we can disagree on everything else. I'm a fully immersion baptism guy. I don't think you're not baptized if you weren't immersed. That's me. That's what I see in scripture. But if you want to be a sprinkler, and we can still fellowship. I'm not going to be like, ew, you were just sprinkled. Had a Presbyterian brother. He knew my conviction. And they do the little clamshell dip. Have you seen that one? You know, so there's sprinklers, there's dippers, there's immersers. And he was like, Pastor Brian, he goes, if someone was baptized and they just got water to their knees, would that be a baptism? And I was like, no. He's like, well, what if to their waist? And I was like, no. He was like, their chest. I was like, no. He goes, what if right here? And I was like, no. He goes, exactly. It's that last little part that counts. That's why we do the shell. And I was like, <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. <laughs> but we, we fellowshiped all the time. Why? Because it, we knew it wasn't an issue to divide over. Some of you are convicted. I'm using the King James today. I'll point out why in a minute. But I use multiple translations. Some of you believe that if the King James was good enough for John the Baptist, it's good enough for you. Great. (laughs) Different. I just want you reading it. But then it says this in verse 5. There were they in great fear, for God is the generation of the righteous. I want to read that in a little different translation here. Terror will grip them, for God is with those who obey him. See, there were those who had fear. They used to fear the Lord. We used to be a place where God was feared publicly. Now God is mocked publicly. God is openly mocked. Well, terror is going to come for them, for God is with those who obey him. When you're going through something hard, and we do, Okay, I've seen so many pastors who've gone off the deep end. Mental health issues are real. 
sitting and soaking in them is not the way to handle them. We have got to be progressively moving forward. But we can't sit here and condemn people for having issues. We need to pick them up and walk with them. There's an alternative version of the footprints in the sand. You've all heard the poem, Footprints in the Sand. We're walking on the beach, two sets of footprints. Jesus said, I'll never leave you and forsake you. And then there were times where I just saw one set of footprints. And as I look at the time of my life, it was the hardest time in my life. And I said, Lord, where were you when I needed you? And he said, son, those are the moments where I carried you. Well, I saw another version of the poem. It says, I was walking down the timeline of my life. It was like the shores of a sand. And there I see three footsteps. And in the hardest times of my life, I see that one footstep had gone. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, where were you? He said, son, I was at my right hand, my father's right hand, watching over you the whole time. Where you see the other footprint is where your brother carried you. And I was like, oh, I like that. Because physically, Yeshua is not carrying you. Jesus isn't coming down and carrying you. If he is, run. That's not Jesus. Okay. Yeah, oh man. But I thought he was homeless and lived behind Albertson. No, that, that's not the, he, he lied to you. Now, Kim and I, we've had dinner with Jesus. There is a, a boarding student whose name is J-E-S-U-S. So we were like, Jesus, he goes, no, it's Jesus. He's from Romania and he wants it Jesus. So I was like, I had dinner with Jesus. <laughs> what about you? People were like, how close are you to Jesus? I'm like, oh, he like four doors down right there. But it's this understanding, this understanding that God needs us to be there for each other when it's tough. Yes, he will be there for us. No, he doesn't need any one of us in particular. Yes, he wants to use all of us because when he wants to intervene in our lives, a lot of times he uses us to do it for him. So we see this in verse 6. She have shamed the counsel of the poor because the Lord is his refuge. Other translation says this. The wicked frustrate the plans of the poor and oppressed. But the Lord will protect those that are his people. People are going to attack you. People are going to oppress you. That's why we need each other. You know why? Because there are things that you think are so heavy in your life. That I can just go. You want me to carry that for you? And there are things that I think are so heavy in my life. And you see me, oh, he's a pastor. He's a big, he's a big old boy, corn-fed boy. That's tamales, actually. But you know, like, oh, he can carry it. And there's something crippling me. And then little old Lizzie Spring comes and goes, I got that, Brian. You're okay. Why? Because we're built different. And what crushes me, she already has victory over her, not a struggle in her life. What crushes Brad, I've already got victory over her, not a struggle in my life. We all carry each other's burdens. That's why it says, bear ye one another's burdens. Why? Because sometimes your brother's burdens are way easier to carry than your own. And I heard this old saying, if I'm so busy carrying your burdens, the Lord has to deal with mine. I'm going to focus on yours. Because you're my brother, you're my sister, I love you. And we need to be careful to not mock people's burdens when we don't understand them. I deal with teenagers a lot, guys, young adults a lot. Right now, one of the biggest things I'm dealing with, it used to be sexual attraction issues. Still there. Now it's gender identity issues. 
24-7. Well, I, I, I want to be a boy. Okay, ma'am. No, I am sir. You will call me sir. <laughs> Negative ghost rider. I don't play into that. And some people are like, well, you just need love. I love, absolutely love. I've had trans people around my dinner table. I will never stop doing that. I'm going to refer to them by their name and avoid pronoun as much as I can. Why? Because I'm not going to use pronouns that are lies. And I have enough grammatical knowledge that it just bothers me that a singular person is a thee and they or them. Because that's words you use for multiple people. But I'm not worried about it. I'm worried about loving the person because folks, I'm here, and if you're, if you're watching this online, listen. Sexual attraction issues and gender identity issues are not the problem. They're the symptom. The problem with any issue, gossip is not the problem, it's the symptom. Pornography is not the problem, it's the symptom. The problem is sin and lack of relationship with God through his son, Yeshua. That's the problem. And when we fix that problem, guess what? All this other stuff disappears. It disappears. It's like worrying that your cancer patient has a cough. I got them Robitussin. They're not coughing anymore. Woohoo, they'll still be dead by Friday. But when the cancer's gone, guess what? Cough's gone. How'd you do that? You didn't treat the cough. Because it wasn't the problem. It was the symptom. And in our life, we have these that we see the poor oppressed, and, and we see those who no longer respect God, and, and it's so frustrating. But remember, God will be with those who are his righteous children walking the path we're supposed to walk. Verse 7, and I love verse 7. Oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion. <laughs> we know it did, right? When the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. They were writing this awaiting Messiah's first coming. This was written saying, when will Messiah be back? Actually, no, this was written saying, when will Messiah be here? That was true. That was a heart's cry. Messiah came. They all rejoiced and followed him, right? No, that last part didn't come true right yet. <laughs> but we're now in the same boat. But we're not saying, when will he come? We're sitting here saying, when will he come back? Oh, that the salvation of Israel would come back out of the heavens to release the captivity of his people and let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. How are you going to be that day that that final trumpet sounds and those skies are split and here he comes? Oh man, I'm ready for that day. I think I'm going to live to see that day. This is not a prophecy or a prediction. It's the last thing I need, somebody snipping this from YouTube and be like, Pastor Brian said, no, I've given you my prophecy. We are closer today to the coming of Christ than we've ever been. That's all I got for you. But for some reason, I just, it's in my head that I'm not going to die. I do stupid things sometimes. I'm like, how'd you know you weren't going to die? I'm like, because I know I'm not going to die until he comes back. Are you one of those two? Lizzie and I will be here for you in the tribulation. Find us. Oh, you believe the same thing too? Okay. We have the beans. He has the rice. I have the water. We're together. No. By the way, don't stock up because if you truly believe that it's going to be like the first Exodus, how are you going to haul it in beans and rice with you? 
These people have bunkers full. Literally, the picture we're told is it's going to be an exodus. We're going to be on a move. God's going to be taking us back towards the land eventually. And I am not waiting on you. I'm sorry. You'll be sitting there with your little red wagon. I'm coming. Where's Bob? He's got 5,000 pounds of beans on that little red wagon. I don't even like beans. Bob can die. I'm going. Rice, maybe. Now, if somebody's like, where's John? He's hauling three cows so we can have brisket. We need to help John. He is the priority. He has just been elected the supreme leader of this group. <laughs> I mean, you got to know who you're going to help when it's time to help folks. That's <laughs> the spice. Oh, there you go. You're trying to get invited to the cookout, ain't you? You don't put raisins in your potato salad. <laughs> Lizzie's like, I'm brown, sir. <laughs> but... <laughs> But we're going to rejoice when he comes back. All that stuff will be before he comes back, by the way, because when he comes back, we won't have to worry about that. For a thousand years, he will reign from his father's throne, from David's throne in Jerusalem. Then the enemy will be released for a little bit. We don't know what that means. I'm not speculating because soon and little bit and these words that he uses are very frustrating to me. But it says we'll go behind him into battle. That's a stupid place to be in battle. You know, I was, and we were talking about this at winter camp. You know, what do you do? Like, you just carry your sword. You're like, because mm. he's going to take care of it all. And then it'll be done. And then earth will be renewed. New Jerusalem will come down and the father will be in there. And we'll be with him forever. Verse seven should still be our cry. Oh, that salvation would come. I am ready for those things to happen. My daughter is in a courtship. <laughs> <laughs> still hard to say. Olivia, my bonus daughter, we got her, but I knew we got her as an adult. I knew it was coming. Now my daughter, who I've raised from birth, and Kim's just like, oh, she's in a court. And my wife, who is loving, has this horrible trait. If it makes me choke up or cry, she shoves it in my face and then tells everyone to watch me. When we're watching a movie, like The Chosen, how many of you watch The Chosen? We're watching The Chosen, and I see these scenes of Yeshua, and I'm like, and she's like, hey, kids, look at Dad. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? You need help, woman. And I'll say, the screen is up there. But I have this, and my daughter's courting, and sure, I would love to see her get married. I would love to see grandkids in like 20 years, whatever. But as much as I love her, if God calls me and is like, listen, I can send Jesus now. Or we can go ahead and wait till Oakley get married. I'm going to say, Oakley who? Sound a trumpet. Because as much as I love her, I'm ready to see him. You know what it's like? You know, I, I, how many of you have that relationship with your spouse where when you're apart, even if you just had it and it was rough, you miss them and you know that you're missing them and you know it's not going to be as good when you get home as you're missing them. You're missing them at like a 10. When you get home, it might be a 7 because there's stuff to do. But how many of you still, you miss them at like that 10? You're like, oh, my gosh. Even if you just had a fight, you know, Kim, like I was saying, Kim, I'm really missing you today. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm like, well, because I choose to love you. <laughs> you know, and I do. Well, guess what, though? I get to come home to her sometimes. Sometimes she leaves. But... <laughs> We get to go have coffee dates. We get to go to dinner. We get to gross out the kids. It brings me joy. I don't even care if we do anything. It's just fun. 
The other day, I was just simply changing, and so I locked the door because we have people in our, our house all the time. Oakley came to get something from my room, jiggled the door, and goes, Ugh. <laughs> because we've trained them. If the door's locked, go away. So she assumed mom wasn't even in there, and I came out, and she just looked at me, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Then she walked in the room. She's like, Dad, nobody's even in here. I was like, I was just playing into your dream there. I, I would just change and didn't want you to walk in. Good thing I locked the door, huh? And then we have Lindsay uh, lives with us right now. She's renting the other space that used to be Olivia's. And so she lives with us. And our bedroom, we have a we have a L-shaped patio. Well, it's really a U-shaped, but this is a kitchen window. This is the main patio, and this is patio doors to your bedroom. Let me tell you what will freak you out. I'm standing by the patio doors, blinds are shut and everything, of course. My hind to it, and I go to take my pants off to put my shorts on to relax for the night, and as I drop pants, Lindsay is making a Marco Polo on the porch. I don't know she's arrived. Pants down, Lindsay's like, oh yes, yeah. so like, man. I'm here to tell you, you cannot climb a sheetrock wall. I tried. I was mortified, and then my brain was like, she's outside. But all I did was hear the voice at that time, and I'm like, hmm. But it motivated me to action. How much more motivated are you to hear that trumpet sound? This verse 7 should be where we live. But I want to give you one more thought that has two parts. Because it's so easy for us to read 14, chapter 1, and say, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But there's something I love about the King James and some other translations too. But the King James always does this. What do you notice? Who all has the King James today? I can always count on Gilbert. All right. Gilbert, what do you notice about the words there is in verse 1 compared to the rest? Okay. So there is. It's in italics. It's, in, it's italicized. Do you know why, why the King James uses italicis? King James uses italics for fill-in words that aren't in the manuscript. So there is, is not actually in the manuscript. So let's read it the way you would actually read it in Hebrew. The fool has said in his heart, no, God. That hurts a little bit more. See, because we are all here, so obviously we're not the fool saying there is no God, because if so, we're really the fool, because then why are you here at a place that's going to worship a God that doesn't exist? So we're not that fool. But then the fool has said in his heart, so we read this as, well, the fool says no to God, or that there is no God. But what if the fool is the one who says no, God? Oof. That hurts a little more. What if all the rest of this, all of the struggle it talks about, all of the lack of righteousness it talks about, all of the hope in Messiah it talks about, and the path we're supposed to be living, what if we miss all of that stuff, all of that protection, all the stuff he talks about, because when we were asked to do something, we say, no, God. I want to give two thoughts to that. When you say, yes, God, you will always find yourself in the center of his will, even if it's a living hell momentarily. But when you say no, God, you will always be out on your own, even if it's blissful momentarily. I would rather be walking through the fiery pit with him than having every joy this world has to offer without him. 
So I leave those challenges to you. Are you saying no, God? Are you saying yes? Just say yes. I promise you, so many of you can tell the story. Pierce, I was very pleased with him. Brad's son. It's cool when you decide to do something for the Lord. It's even more fun when you can do it at the expense of throwing your dad under the bus. And he texted me. And he says, actually, I happen to have my pocket demon right here. What's his name? I don't have his name saved in my... Yes, I do. I just can't spell. I'm Googling Brins. I should Google Bronze. There it is. Hey, Brian. I want you and my dad to mentor me. Because I want to know how to read the Bible and understand it. I want to be a Jonathan. I don't want to follow and make the same mistake my dad did. I see where he's at now. And he could have been there for years. But he said no to God. I don't want to make that same mistake. I've shared that with Brad before too, by the way. I'm not just putting him on the blaster. But the son saw his father walking in the calling he's supposed to and says, I want this now. He said, I'm not going to say no God anymore. Ryan made this amazing post talking about, I'm going to be a Jonathan. He makes these posts online, which I love because he doesn't realize it just puts a hook in him that we can all hold him accountable to. Because when he's like, I never said that, we can be like, exhibit A. And if that wasn't miraculous enough, Maya smiled in a picture at camp, but that's a whole different sermon. <laughs> that's right. Everybody fell out. <laughs> you know, to hear these testimonies. I saw Eden worshiping at camp. I hear I missed amazing testimonies from both of you on a Sunday night, to see Lydia serving. This generation, see Nene back there working a soundboard. These young people getting it, getting it. Some of these children get it. Nicole sent me a video. They don't do the Shema every night at their house. That's not something they've done. So yet, I got a video of little mama singing the Shema. Why? Because when you don't think they're listening, she's heard it every week, they're listening. Now, some of those words, I don't think they were Hebrew, Russian, or English. <laughs> Pretty sure she spoke in tongues for a little bit of that. Shama, Israel, I'm like, amen, whatever you said, I agree. But you know why? Because she, her parents are putting her in a place where she can grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We got it for the kids. We got it for these young people. Some of our young adults, I'm seeing it. Christian came. He's like, I don't really want to go to camp be a CIT, but I'll check it out. And then, oh my gosh, we couldn't have done it without him. What about you? What about me? What is our story? Where are we missing out? Where have we said no to God that he is calling us? And where we hear a burden, there's really a blessing. Where we hear this oppression, it's really opportunity. Where we hear that it could get vicious, it could also get victorious. We get so hung up thinking, yeah, but it might be hard. Yeah, but it might make you more holy. Yeah, but it might, it, it might be difficult. 
Yeah, but it might be so delicate that you're the only one who can do it. But what if it's frustrating? Yeah, but what if it's fantastic? We always see the negative. And we say no and we miss out, not just for the other people, because I'm pretty sure the words of Mordecai are still true, that if you won't do it, he'll raise up somebody else who will. But why would you pass up being used by God? My favorite verse, what I want on my tombstone, if I do one, maybe on my urn, which will be empty, because if I die, I want to be taken and scattered in Israel, just so you all know to put pressure on my wife. But I'm not going to die, though, because I'm going to be with Nick and Lizzie. But (laughs) the verse I want more than anything in my life is they glorified God because of me. Not that they knew me. Not that they knew my name. Not that they adored me. They glorified God because of me. That only happens if when the scary comes, you say yes. You've got to get to the point. I've got to get to the point where I am no longer the fool that says no, God. But I'm the fool who says yes, God. And it's okay to use it in that context too, because sometimes logically it is foolish to say yes. You know what else is foolish? To send a sinless Messiah to die for dirty, rotten sinners. But thank God that as Francis Chan says, God's love is crazy. Not logical. Logical love is like the little guy from the Lorax. Let him die, let him die, let him shrivel up and die. That should be how God viewed sinners. But instead, what did he do? He looked at us and he said, I'll make a way to bring you back home. And so now it is up to us that if you're going to be a fool, be it that the world thinks you're one because you are foolishly following your Messiah and your God. Don't let it be that the Lord thinks you're one because you're saying no. God, we come to you today thanking you for loving us, thanking you for being good to us. Desiring God to just be fools for you. It's not logical, but it's righteous. It's not easy, but it's amazing. I pray, Father, that you would be with us. Help us. Father, as we look to do our life, that we would build our life in a way that it is built on you. That we wouldn't build our life and our yeses and nos on our own will, but we would build our life based on saying yes to you. Help us, Father, to pursue you with all we have. Help us, Father, to say yes. And then to live in verse 7, eagerly anticipating the return of the King. In Yeshua's name, amen.